Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Read with Michelle Martin on Your Money. Only on Money FM 89.3. We're reading The Founders, Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, and the company that made the modern internet by Jimmy Sony. It's an illuminative business thriller filled with legendary geniuses known for their thought and technological innovation. It's time to welcome the man behind the book. He is the former managing editor of the Huffington Post. He wrote the award-winning biography, A Mind at Play, and that centered on the man at the heart of information theory, Claude Shannon. He spent five years researching the book that we're reading today which explores the origins of PayPal and its alumni, a group that would go on to leave a huge imprint on the technology of the modern world. So time to welcome Jimmy Sony. He's an American author and the man behind the book, The Founders. Jimmy, welcome to read. Thank you so, so much for having me. And I, I really, I appreciate that introduction. I wish we could broadcast it all over the United States. I think it would make my mom really happy too. <laughs> well, hi to your mom. Uh, all right, Jimmy, let's start with the, the first obvious question. Why is the PayPal origin story an important one for contemporary readers? You know, I think because it continues to cast a very long shadow. If you if you've ever watched a YouTube video, been on LinkedIn, you know, if you if you stare at the heavens looking for a SpaceX rocket, or if you've been inside a Tesla, you've been affected by this company. And its alumni continue to do important and interesting things in the world of technology. So they're not finished. Uh, they're they're in fact, I would say, far from finished. And my my conceit in the book, my kind of focus in the book is, well. Everything you're doing now is great, but from where does this kind of ambition and creativity come from? I wanted to explore that, and it turned out that many of the people behind many of technology's most illustrious companies cut their teeth at PayPal. That is where they got started. So I simply wanted to ask the question, what was in the water? I like that. What was in the water? And let's look a little bit at the corporate culture. I think most founders start a company and maybe don't think particularly about the kind of corporate culture that they're building up that enables this sort of thinking. Um, how nerdy was corporate culture at early PayPal? What did this corporate culture value? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head. I would say what they valued was, I would say they valued a few things. Let me, let me add the disclaimer though. I don't think they thought of culture in a, as a specific concept as something that they were trying to build. You know, for many of these people, this was their first effort at building a company. So it wasn't like they sat down and wrote a mission statement or values or any of that sort of thing. They were simply solving problems. And that is connected to what I would say was the highest value, which is a real determination and emphasis around problem solving, puzzle solving, around being able to figure out the right answers uh, with, with you know, oftentimes very heated arguments, but trying to get to the right answers to very, very hard problems. That is what I found just in alumnus, alumnus after alumnus I interviewed, that's what they were focused on. Was this a company culture that was open to hiring women? You know, it was. And one of the great parts of this project was interviewing women who were often left out of the storytelling and the narrative around PayPal. Um, I, in fact, I'll give you the, the best example I can give you. The person who came up with the PayPal name is this incredible person named Esme Master, who helped the company through a very rigorous process come to the name PayPal. The, the name of the company used to be Infinity, and before that it was Fieldlink. Elon's half of the company was called X.com. Esme does this incredible process with the Confinity folks to think about what does the name mean, what's it going to represent, what does it stand for, what URLs are available. 
and they settle on a name that, in fact, she has to sort of convince them to adopt it. But now, in hindsight, I don't think any of them could think of the company as anything different. That's a long way of answering your question, but one of the things that's important about this project is, for the first time, you're going to hear about the stories of many of the women who are at the heart of the success of this company. And there are many of them, and I was grateful for the chance to share their stories. Love that, because I think the prevailing myth, if you watch a lot of uh, YouTube videos anyway on the PayPal mafia, you get a sense that they were not open to hiring women. They weren't open to hiring basketballers for some reason. So are these things all myths? I'm not sure if you know about the basketball theory. I do know it, although I will say I think it's been overblown. I think that's one of those myths that's actually gotten a little out of control. There's a quote Mm -hmm. from Max Levchin about how he wouldn't hire somebody to play basketball, except that I found a document that showed that on a birthday celebration of his, they actually set up a basketball, like they set up a basketball hoop and played basketball Mm -hmm. in the company parking lot. So I think there's a little bit of like uh, some myth busting that needs to be done there. But your, your broader point is really important. This, this story has been portrayed as a story of homogeneity as a small group of men, and, and it just isn't true. You know, I interviewed around 250 people for this project, and I interviewed many of the most accomplished women I've ever interacted with in my life. It's, it's actually just disappointing that journalism and, and media sources that covered this story mm-hmm. never captured these, never captured or shared those narratives. And I hope the book, you know, is a gesture in the right direction and correct that record because they were simply a huge part of the company's history. Great to hear that. I read that you combed through 150,000 pages of emails and hundreds of interviews to build this narrative of PayPal. Uh, I think a lot of people will come to this book, though, because they're curious about Elon Musk. And, And what did you most want to find out from him in your interviews with him for this book? You know, I actually, it's, 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 it's an interesting way to frame the question. He's never really, you know, I don't think that people know that he was one of the co-founders of PayPal. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, we can be candid about that. Like, in fact, many people I meet, just, you know, people who are, are knowledgeable about him are a little surprised when I tell them that he was a co-founder. And that's in part because, you know, it's, it's not, sort of, the company doesn't achieve the great things that he would like it to achieve. He wanted this to be a revolution in American finance and frankly, in worldwide form. Um, and so I was really interested in how this person who does rockets and cars got interested in finance. That was one of the big questions I had for him. In fact, how far does today's PayPal differ from the PayPal that the two companies at the start, at its origin story, Fieldlink and Confinity, and that bank that Elon Musk had started, X.com? How far does today's PayPal differ from the PayPal that the early founders had in mind? Yeah, that's a great question. I think <laughs> in some ways I'd be speaking out of school because I'm not super knowledgeable about contemporary PayPal. I spent all this time trying to understand PayPal between 1998 and 2002. Mm. So I'm going to have to admit my ignorance about contemporary PayPal. One of the funny things, though, I'll tell you the funny way in which they're similar, which is that Confinity originally started out with the ambition of making it possible for people to beam money between Palm Pilots, so doing mobile device payments. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is that today, PayPal obviously owns Venmo, which its claim to fame is, you know, it's made made mobile device payments very easy. So in a funny way, history rhymes, right? Because this ambition that they had in 1998, 1999 to be a mobile payment company has come true just 20 plus years later. 
I think one of the reasons why this book is addictive is because you come from a perspective and you're very open about it. You say you're not an engineer. So when you're conveying, you know, the key engineering or, or tech debates that may have been deciding factors between PayPal's success and failure that comes through very vividly and in language that we appreciate as men on the street and women on the street. I, I wonder if you can help us understand why you say in the book that PayPal's founding and its success is one of the most improbable stories of the internet. We take it for granted that we use PayPal every day. It's a success. But why was it an improbable story of the internet? Why was it success not to be taken for granted? Because I think properly understood, it's a story of just endless near failure and close shave. Um, you know, the company almost goes under at several points. This is a team that has to go through everything from the, the bursting of the dot-com bubble, mm -hmm. millions of dollars lost to fraud, you know, three CEOs in roughly six months, a ton of turmoil internally, a ton of battles externally, in addition to living through September 11th and a very frosty market when they decide to IPO. It's, it's basically a story of just cutting it close and, and constantly finding a way to fix whatever problem is going on at that moment. And so that's part of the improbability of it. I would also say that part of the improbability is PayPal was not the only payments company on the scene. Mm -hmm. There were many other competitors in this space. Mm -hmm. And by hook and crook, they managed to, to pull it off and to win and to successfully take the company public and then sell it to eBay. But its success was far, far from guaranteed. And I think that's why I described it as improbable. It obviously wasn't impossible. It was just highly improbable. <laughs> what sort of innovations did PayPal have to come up with um, in this battle against fraud? Yeah, it's one of the best parts of the story, actually, because one of the things they have to do is they develop uh, a series of tools to distinguish between um, legitimate, credible users mm -hmm. and fraudsters who are fleecing the company, who are building you know, robotic ways to open up automated accounts. So I'll give you one example of an innovation that has probably touched every listener's life. If you've ever had to identify yourself as a human by clicking one of those boxes that says, I'm a human, not a robot, mm. or having to find stoplights amid a series of images, oh, yeah. you can thank PayPal for that. That's called, the, you know, it's one application of the CAPTCHA, which is a kind of test to distinguish whether you are a human being. The first commercial application of that technology took place in, at PayPal, it was, it was called, and, it, and still you can look it up as, the Gauzebeck-Levchin test. Mm. And it was a test developed by an engineer, David Gauzebeck, and the CTO, Max Levchin, because what was happening was the robots were opening up automated accounts just to win bonus money. And they had to stop this. They had to actually put a stop to it. And they developed and devised this test. And it's a, a contentious debate within the company, but it goes live, and it does help defeat you know, that kind of fraud. I would say that's one of a handful of innovations that are like that, that they didn't know, you know, they didn't, they didn't, weren't looking at it and saying, wow, look at this world historic thing we've done. We developed the CAPTCHA. They were just trying to solve a problem and they did. And I think of it as those problem solving moments are among my favorite things in the book mm. because we, we still use that exact creation today. It's, it's evolved, it's developed, it's changed, Absolutely. but we are still benefiting from those developments today. Tremendous, tremendously interesting. Now, with PayPal's stock down 60% in the last 12 months, its stock price, investors listening to our station may be interested in reading your book for clues as to its possible future success that they can find in the pages of this book. Does this book have anything to say about it there? Where does it stop in the story of PayPal? Uh, see, this is where I'll have to just apologize and I'll have to be sorry to disappoint the listeners because you know, I, I really, my story properly ends 
in late 2000, and if you're generous, it ends in 2015. And, and the real reason is because I was writing about the formation of the company, the earliest years, and then what happens when, in 2015 when PayPal is, is IPOs again. I, would have, I, I am the least qualified person listening to comment on the, the, the fortunes of the company today. But I, but I can tell you that you know, the reason perhaps to read the book is because it does help you get into the minds of the people who created the company who are still in the business of creating, investing in, and uh, really supporting the technology sector around the world. And, and maybe there's some clues there. I, I would hope there are. Love that. And before we let you go, are there lessons in this book for any entrepreneur, do you think, or anyone in the business world? Oh, 100%. And, I, and I'm very careful about, like, I'm not, you know, the book wasn't written as sort of like 10 ways to build your own PayPal. It was written as a story about how this company came to be. But I've had multiple people talk to me about the things that they've written in the margins of the book as they've read it that have helped them think about their businesses differently. And, you know, if, if I took a personal lesson from it, one of the things that most impressed me about this group was the rigor and honesty that they had with each other, mm. meaning they were willing to push each other to actually think harder and better about problems. And to me, that is, that is a powerful thing. I think it's also the kind of thing that we can easily forget to include in our lives, right? To forget to prioritize in our friendships is the kind of honesty that actually leads you to just think better. It's such a terrific book. I found it so engaging. A book that covers the early days of PayPal. A lot of the story hasn't been fully told, no matter how many YouTube videos you've watched about the PayPal mafia. Jimmy Sony, an absolute privilege to speak with you. Thank you for joining us. Michelle, thank you so much for doing this. Jimmy Sony is the author of The Founders, Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, and the company that made the modern internet. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.